I li I sleep in ice in the winter. It's fine. Hey, knock it off, whoever that was. It's Amanda. It's my oh, girlfriend. Tell her to knock it off. Is... Brian says knock it off. That's not what I asked you for. <laughs> she can't hear you. I know. Do you have any Do you have any takes about the Panthers you want to say, Amanda? No. <laughs> Meet him one time and now he's your boy. <laughs> Brian, did you see the thing I shared in the Slack chat about David Tepper so rich that when he moved to New Jersey to Florida, New Jersey almost had a budget crisis? That doesn't surprise me because New Jersey budget was already terrible when I lived there. So. <laughs> and then it's just like, well, there goes a couple hundred million dollars in tax revenue. What are we going to do from one person? <laughs> Oh no. We're going to have to stop with all these road projects that take to take us 3 years to finish. That guy was single-handedly paying for the airport infrastructure. It was almost as bad as Kelvin Benjamin leaving Buffalo Bills and their uh their budget for wings, you know. A A fat jokes. Hello, welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is Brian, joined by John and Brad for your very special Buccaneers loss going up against the Browns, which will probably be a loss episode. Brad, how are you doing tonight? I was doing great until you said that. Now I'm depressed. <laughs> As if you didn't know that this was going to happen. As if you didn't know. Oh, no, I, ca I called this two months ago. Yeah, I know you did. That's why I was, that's why I was saying that. <laughs> You've been very correct since your two months ago call on the Slack chat, so I applaud you for that. Um, it's very rare when that happens. Uh, John, how are you doing tonight? I'm fine. You're laying on pretty heavy tonight. I'm not even saying like the Panthers are gonna have a hard time on Sunday. Just saying we're gonna lose to the Browns. Yeah. Well, it's gonna be like no hope at well, all. Well, it's gonna be very windy, and as a lot of Panthers fans have seemed to point out, it was. The wind was the biggest problem for the Panthers against the Buccaneers. Nothing else. So I hate it when the wind only affects your team and your team <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's like it's like referees. Like it only affects the Panthers. Yeah, like the referees only hate my favorite team. The wind only provides a disadvantage to my favorite team. It's just it's wild how that works. Yeah, those gusty winds. They just only only pop up for a five or six minute span when you or your team happens to have the ball, and then they just disappear for five or six minutes when. The other team has the ball. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Crazy how the weather works. Global warming, my friends. It is. <laughs> that, is that is it. That's, that's it. it. That's that's. That's how it works. But the EPA is is us uh, is uh, studying is uh those five to six minute disappearances of all weather in sports games. Right there, scientific study. Did you guys notice 
in Christian McCaffrey's long run that almost went for a touchdown on Sunday, Trey Turner was running for him like step for step. Yeah. I did not notice that till just now because I was, well, I definitely wasn't scrolling through Instagram while Brian was talking. It sounds like something. Yeah, Trey Turner's been saying all week that people need to put some respect on his speed because he's got like four eight speed and, you know, put him back there and give him the ball. (laughs) He he, he was moving for like five steps and then he got tired and stopped, but still. I bet he would be better than Leonard Fournette. (laughs) Probably. I mean, he can't do worse. No, he can't. I bet he could score from the the two-yard line if you gave him three carries. More teams need to try that just just to see. Because that's a lot of momentum to stop. Yeah, like if you're going to run the jumbo package, you know, a lot of teams like to do that on the goal line because John thinks it's the best thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if if you're going to run that jumbo package – Put one of the guards in at running back. Like, give him the ball. Let's just do it. See what happens. I mean, some teams, the Bears did it. Yeah. And it worked. It worked. Yeah, it works. Like, I, I still can't believe we haven't run that with Dontari Poe yet. Like, we know it works. We've seen it work. He can throw it, catch it, and run it. Like, why are we not doing it? Instead of the fridge, it's the tray, the ice tray, Trey Turner. <laughs> You've been thinking of that since we started talking about it, haven't you? Uh, maybe. It may have popped in my head and I waited until I had a time to say it. Maybe. Who knows? Um, so the Panthers lost a football game this weekend. Seems to be a trend. Again. Yeah. Every time we say the Panthers should play better because they need to step up, they seem to play worse. So maybe our theme needs to be the Panthers just need to be mediocre. Maybe that's a good maybe that's a good theme for this podcast. The Panthers need to play really, really poorly this week. Mm-hmm. That's what they really need. Well, with how windy it's gonna be, I mean apparently when you play poorly you win games, as evidenced by the Buccaneers, apparently. Yes. If it's windy and you play poorly, you win. That's 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 my Are you saying the Buccaneers play poorly? Uh I mean they usually play poorly. I don't think I've seen a game where they didn't play poorly. Well, you must not have watched last Sunday. They actually played a pretty good game. Eh, Those four interceptions may have helped. Well, they were very efficient on third down, for one. Uh, Jameis Winston actually looked like a decent NFL quarterback. They, They took advantage of the opportunities that we gave them because, like you just said, four interceptions helped. Well, yeah, they made those interceptions. Uh, So... You know, they weren't yeah. terrible. Yeah, and you can't even, like, lay that on the feet of the Panthers playing poorly. Like, Jameis Winston finds ways to throw interceptions to literally anybody. doesn't matter how good or bad you're playing. So the fact that he didn't throw any is just good Jameis. Yeah, and he, he even took plays where he normally would throw it, like, they're into triple coverage, and he just ran and got five yards. Like, he never does that. Yeah, normally he and, throws it anyway. Yeah, normally he throws it anyway, and I don't know if he is has turned a corner, if the light finally came on, or if you know it's just the way it works in 2018 for the Panthers. I don't know. I don't know yet. But well, John, didn't I like what I you thought. had? You had some uh, nice, some nice uh, analysis of the Panthers' defense in your defensive preview. Why don't you Why don't you break that down for us? How good is the Panthers' defense so far? The last few weeks. It's bad, Brian. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> what are they like? 
31st um, in like passing efficiency or something like that? It, they were there. Well, like ESPN, I didn't say this in the article, but ESPN has their, I guess it's kind of their, their version of the DVOA type stuff. It's like a win probability thing. And the Panthers are like 32nd in defense over the last four weeks and 32nd in special teams, which is different than the defense. Um, 31st in pass rating allowed, thir- like 31st in QBR allowed, 32nd in yards per attempt allowed, um, giving up a 100 QBR on deep passes. Which is just um, insane. Uh, allowing a passer rating of 135.5 in situations when the defensive line doesn't get pressure or when there's no pressure on the quarterback, which is the worst in the league. Just bad. So what you're saying is the Panthers' defense is, is bad. 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 Yeah. Bad, bad, bad. So, to fix the problem, we fired a couple of, like, assistants' assistants. That's getting yeah. back on track. That, that'll fix everything. But, hey, Ron Rivera was out there with the defense this past week on the on the uh, practice uh, field. That's that's got to that's that's count for something, do. right? If, if he hasn't been doing that already, what does he normally do? Well, normally, I imagine he sits there with his ample chest and arms folded and just stares at them <laughs> while they practice. That's what I would imagine. If Mick Mixon is any is any indicator of what the Panthers' defense is like. I do I do want to say that those firings made me very upset. Because I feel bad for those guys personally because they got fired for stuff that I'm pretty sure is not their fault. It's just the coach, you know, the coaching staff need to make it look like they're holding people accountable and light a fire under people. So they just went for the low-hanging fruit and fired the new guys. Well, what's dumb about it, too, is that none of them call plays and none of them play defense. So, like, they're not the ones out there making the plays, and they're they're not the ones out there calling the plays. So how is it their fault? Like, it's not like defensive backs don't know how to backpedal or don't know how to swat at a pass or don't know how to press. It's not like defensive linemen don't know how to bull rush or do a swim move or stunt. It's not like linebackers forget how to yeah. tackle based on their their assistant coaches. It's just it's clearly more of a yeah, problem like, all all over the place, and not just like these small little Rubik's pieces that you take out and now everything's okay. No, no, it's not that. It's definitely not that. It's like Jeff Imamura is over there trying to teach the defensive backs to not cover wide receivers, and Richard <laughs> Rogers is like, no, no. That's not what we're trying to do. You need to cover the guys. And they're like, all right, get this Immemora guy out of here. He's he's clearly going against the message. Like, And Brady Hoke's over there teaching the defensive lineman, like, all right, guys, that guy with the ball in the backfield, don't don't get close to him. Just hold hold the yeah. people in front of you. And then Sam Mills the third and Eric Washington are over there trying to uh, convince him otherwise, and he just won't have it. <laughs> like, That's not going to suddenly change. Like, He's not teaching the guys to not sack the quarterback, and all of a sudden they're going to – learn a new technique to sack the quarterback now that they have a new defensive line coach. The only way to get a good PFF grade is to not do anything. Is that it? Yes. Like, I feel like that's a reference to something, but I don't know. Well, you see, like the best pass rushers for PFF typically are the guys who don't get sacks. So that's that was the mindset. It's the new. It's that new uh, that math <laughs> crap that you've been talking about for the last year. Like... That, oh, that that's, nerd yeah, that nerd stuff. That's what David Tepper's looking for. He wants his defensive ends to score highly on PFF's grade, not actually make plays or get sacks or force turnovers. Like defensive linemen don't tackle the quarterback. They don't tackle the running backs. They're there to eat up space. So if they're there taking up space, they're doing their job. That's that's what the that's what the math tells me. 
It's a good point. You can't get a 15-yard roughing the passer penalty if you You're don't sack the quarterback. right, and that's 2018 football, Brad. <laughs> I'm glad he gets it. 40 chess yep. right there. <laughs> Real talk, what does uh, assuming Ron Rivera keeps his job, because I know the easy answer to this is that Ron gets fired, but assuming Ron keeps his job, what does Richard Rogers have to do or not do to lose his job? What does um Eric Washington have to do to lose his job? Because like you said, firing Brady Hoke and, and Jeff Imamura accomplishes nothing. All it does is give a scapegoat and prop up Ron's best buddies club to to make it look like something has changed. So what Richard Rogers especially, what does this man have to do? What what does he have to ruin to to lose his job with the Carolina Panthers? What I would imagine would be for one of the defensive backs to pick off the quarterback and then turn around and try and lateral it and end up throwing a perfect deep spiral to the other wide receiver on the opposing team for a touchdown. That's what I would guess. Like, I honestly believe that Richard Rogers could take a sledgehammer and a four-by-four wooden block, go into Cam Newton's room while he's asleep, and break his ankles like Kathy Bates in misery, (laughs) and he still wouldn't lose his job. Like, I don't think the man is fireable. He's untouchable. That'll teach I mean, as long as Ron, as long as Ron is there now, if Ron gets fired, he'll he'll be fired too. But it's it's amazing to me how how he keeps his job after being so bad. Like he's been the tight ends coach, the special teams coordinator, the assistant special teams coordinator, the defensive, the secondary coach. He's been all these different things, and he's bad at every single well, one. You of see, them. Brad, there's a, there's a, there is some strategy to what you just mentioned, though. Because Cam Newton's shoulder apparently is pretty hurt right now, or at least like sore, so he's not able to throw passes deep. So the best way to avoid those hits is to break his ankles so he can't run out of the pocket and take those hits. He's either got to throw the ball away. That is true. He's either got to throw the ball away or throw a completion at that point. I mean, like, you take the mobility away by breaking his ankles? Shit, I don't think Cam's going to scramble for much. That might be a brilliant strategy. Turn Cam into the pocket passer that we all want. That is true. <laughs> I mean, Cam's ankles might as well be broken at this point with how often he gets rolled up on when he's in the pocket. Yeah. The other thing and that I talked about that frustrated me with those fires is, and I don't know if it's exclusive to the Panthers, but there's so much nepotism to begin with on the staff that it's extra frustrating when like the two people I don't have ties to the teams like via nepotism of some sort are the ones that get let go. Like Richard Rogers, Ron Rivera's old college teammate, Ron Rivera's nephew is defensive quality control. Our offensive coordinator, like our offensive coordinator is Ron Rivera's old friend from a previous coaching job. And then his son is the, the uh, quarterback's coach. Like it's just a bunch of, bunch of buddies. Sam Mills the third is yeah. like the linebackers coach. I know that's controversial opinion because we all love Sam Mills, the football player, but he's you know, a, yeah, he's the assist, well, he's the assistant defensive his line. Son coach. is only on the coaching staff because of who his dad was, like yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so it's just it's very it's and like I said, I'm sure it's, we're not the only team that does it, but it is frustrating. Oh to no, see. it it's a rampant problem in the entire NFL, and I'm with you. I think it's dumb. Yeah, it's it does it is. 
it definitely creates an illusion that it's not a meritocracy. And I think anything, anytime it's on the outside looking in and you see a system that's set up to where it's not based on how good you are at your job, but how, who you know, even though that's the reality of a lot of things, it's still frustrating to see. Yeah. It also sucks yeah. when you have somewhat decent coordinators who go get hired to be head coaches elsewhere and their teams just tank so bad they get fired anyway. So it didn't work out for anybody. That I also sucks. Yeah. Well, both of the defensive coordinators are still employed, so. Well, Rob Chazinski got fired after his first year. Oh, uh, yeah, that guy. Well, that's because he went to Cleveland. They'll fire you for anything in Cleveland. That's also true. Speaking of Cleveland. That was an amazing segue. getting fired. Ever since they let go of Hugh Jackson, the Browns have been on a little bit of a roll. And they just so happened to roll into Charlotte this week. Or, excuse me, Cle- well, they don't. Cleveland. Cleveland. Well, they're going to roll into the Panthers and roll them over, is what I meant to say. Yeah, that. Yeah. I like how... The Browns going two and two over four games is the Browns going on a run, going on a hot streak. They haven't won two games in how many goddamn years, John? <laughs> no, they won, I agree. they won more games in the last three weeks than they won in the entire tenure of Hugh Jackson. No, so I, it is I, a role. I agree with you. It's just so funny, like how sad it is that low they've gotten, where they win two out of three, and it's just like the Browns. The Browns are cooking right now. Yeah, they're what? They're four seven and one right now, right? Yes. They have a chance to finish better than the Panthers. They have a chance to have a winning record. They do. Like, actually, like a legitimate chance. Like, they play the Broncos, Bengals, and Ravens after us. The last time the Cleveland Browns won at least four games was in 2014, and they went 7-9. and nine. With Hoyer the they destroyer. have won. Sorry. Since 2007, they have either been 4-12, and 5-11, Three and thirteen, one and fifteen, or zero and sixteen. Other than that year in two thousand fourteen, not good. That is not good. The rallying cry. They have the entire Cleveland fan base behind them. I I, I do enjoy seeing them not be a laughing stock, though, and I'm happy. That I do they- too. Their, their fans deserve to see a at least mediocre team you know we complain all the time about we're either we're either two and eight or we're nine and oh at this point in the year and we're, we would like to be six and six and have something to actually complain about you know cleveland fans they they love the fact that they've won four games and it's not the end of the year yeah and they're like they're young and they have a quarterback who want like legitimately wants to be there and wants to make them good and looks like he's going to be really really good yeah, and I, I, I feel bad for them, too, because they're going to Cleveland this up, and they're going to make the worst hire for head coach. You're going to hire Mike like, McCarthy. Like, they're going to hire either Mike McCarthy or Marvin Lewis, like, if, if he finally <laughs> leaves Cincinnati. Or Ron and Rivera. Just, or Ron Rivera. Yeah, I, I actually think Ron Rivera would be the perfect coach for Cleveland. Yeah. He's good at taking a dumpster fire and putting it out and rebuilding the dumpster. But once you've rebuilt the dumpster, he's good at putting more garbage in it and then setting it on fire again, <laughs> which is what he's done in Carolina. Like he cleaned up the mess that we had 
when John Fox left. And I think Ron, I think his ceiling is he's that guy that you hire for four years to rebuild your your big pile of dog shit and turn it into something mediocre, and then you go get a guy who can win. Yeah, Ron's like that. He typifies that he's he. You can win with him, but the the style that he coaches with, you're not going to win consistently. Obviously, as we've seen with the Panthers, so he's great for a team that hasn't been winning at all because he's kind of like a can take a bad team and make them decent, and then take a team that has a potential to be great and also make them decent. Exactly. Yeah, he Ron's, Ron's yeah. style of coaching is to get you within the margin of error where it's so small, where you could lose or win very easily. And for a team like regardless Cleveland, of your talent, yeah, 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 regardless. And Cleveland loves that because they know that they're not guaranteed to finish one in fifteen. Yeah, they could finish you know eight and eight, and they would be happy with that for a couple of years, like we were. Because you know, in two thousand ten, when we went two and fourteen, we didn't really give a shit who. Ron Rivera was at that point, he was an improvement over John Fox and we went six and 10 and we thought that was great. Yeah. You know, and you know, Cleveland would be fine with that, but you know, Ron's the guy you hire as the, the bridge to get you to Sean McVay or uh, Matt Nagy or, you know, any of these young and up and coming coaches. That's, that's the kind of coach Ron is. And I think if he just, if he owned that, that he would be much more successful. I didn't realize Matt Nagy was only 40. I thought he was older than that. He certainly looks older than that. He does look like he's about 50. Yeah, that's what I thought he was. When he said young, up and coming, like, Matt Nagy's not young. <laughs> oh, he, <laughs> he is young. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like when we went 6-10 and 10 with Ron the first year, it's like, look at us, turning in the right direction. And then we went 7-9, and nine, like, yeah, we're still going up. And then now, you know, those types of seasons are not acceptable anymore. Yeah, we're, we're going to go 7-9. and nine. Ron should be fired. Yeah. It's amazing how things change in eight years. And even if a new coach comes in, we go seven to nine. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure some people will, but like, I won't be calling for their head. It's just like, hey, it's a new guy. Let's give him a chance to kind of figure things out. But if you go this long and I, you still haven't figured out a way to do it consistently, then it's like, okay, let's just try I think it depends different. on who we hire. Like, yeah. I don't think David, Te- I don't think David Tepper would do this, but, you know, if Jeff Fisher goes seven to nine, oh, yeah, that's yeah, a disaster. Yeah. But if, like, um, Kansas City's offensive coordinator. I can't think of his name. Yeah. The enemy. Yeah. If he comes in and goes seven and nine, that's different because he's a first-year head coach, yeah. and you know we'll be running a new system. But so I, I think that's the kind of guy that David Tepper would target if he were to fire Ron, and that's still up in the air. Yeah, you might have a lot of. Uh, it, we might be in a situation at the end of the year where we legitimately don't know, and I feel like most teams and fans of teams know. Like, oh, yeah, this guy's safe or this guy's not safe. I feel like we'll be at a point where we will legitimately have no idea because we don't know how David Tepper functions as an owner. And Ron, there are strong cases in both directions. Obviously, we're most on the side of we'll be better off trying something new, but there's a you could make a pretty good case that he deserves to stay around. Yeah, I think it depends on how these last four go. Like, if we finish... If we finish 6-10, and there's absolutely no way he keeps his job, I don't think, because... A, you can't start six and two and end six and ten and keep your job. It doesn't matter who you are. Like even Belichick would get fired if that happened, unless like Tom Brady got hurt. And because Cam has played every week, he doesn't have that built-in excuse. Like if Cam would have gotten injured in the the um the Steelers game, 
and he would have been out for the year and we were playing Taylor Heineke, that's different. Like we expect to lose, but we haven't had that. The, the, the biggest name we've lost in the last six weeks is Greg Olson. And, you know, that's not that big of a deal because we've only lost him for one week. Like he got hurt last week. We also so, won several games um, without him, not to rule that, not to. Yeah, that is true. We, we won a couple of games without him in the beginning of the year. And, you know, in the history of the 16-game schedule, which started in 1978, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like 160-some-odd teams started 6-2. and two. Um, do you know how many of those teams finished six and ten? Zero. 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 Exactly zero. The Panthers would be the first team to lose eight straight at the end of the year when being six and two. And we would go from wild card seed number one and potential NFC South champion because four weeks ago, we had the date circled on the schedule against New Orleans, both of them, because we thought, hey, this might actually decide who wins the division. And we've turned that into if we lose on Sunday or New Orleans wins on Sunday, they've already clinched it. Like, and we haven't even played yet. So I think if, if we go six and 10 or seven and nine, that I don't think there's any way Ron keeps his job. He's got to win at least eight games to have a have a prayer. And if we go nine and seven or better, I think he will stay because I think he can argue, you know, the defense wasn't there. I made the change. I started calling the plays. I shouldn't have promoted Eric Washington. We had back-to-back winning seasons. Nobody's ever done that except me. And I, I think Tepper would give him one more year, but otherwise, I think he's he's pretty much gone. Yeah, yeah I agree with all that. Yeah, Tepper being at practice was very telling too. Like he's he's paying very <laughs> yeah, close attention and, to these last few weeks. You can tell. Yeah, shout out to Stevie Mercury who said this in one of the threads this week. I don't remember which one, but Tepper was at practice and. The, the beat reporters for the Panthers said, you know, the, the Panthers are practicing harder than they've practiced in a while. You know, Ron is getting out there and giving it to him and yelling at him and being intense on the field. And if you have to do that because the owner is there, then you've already lost. Like, because that kind of halfway proves that you haven't been taking it seriously until now. Uh, it's like the employee that goofs off on, on the internet all day and then they perk up and start pretending to write an email when the boss walks in. You know, um, Ron should probably be fired if it if if it takes a visit from David Tepper for him to, quote unquote, become intense. Yeah. Because like, that's kind of your, right. your only job as a – I mean, obviously he's got more stuff, but – you're coaching a football team. I don't think, yeah, needing the owner there should be make you coach more. Yeah, I mean, you you were embarrassed on Thursday night by the Steelers, and I no discredit to the Steelers. They're a great team. They'll probably make the playoffs, but you're embarrassed on Thursday night to the Steelers, and you're not intense. You go the next week, and I don't even remember who he played because it's Detroit. been a blur since Detroit. Uh, he went for it on fourth down or on the two-point conversion at the end, and I liked that call, so I'm not going to fault him too much for that. Uh, the next week you go in and you lose again. And 
Then you come to Tampa to the last place team in the division and you lose again. And now you're getting intense at practice. Like you haven't been that way for the last three weeks. And just something doesn't add up there. Now you should have been, you should have been intense after the Steelers lost because that was embarrassing. As a coach, yeah, I would be by the the way I, we got beat. Yeah, like even, yeah, it wasn't just losing in losing in Pittsburgh on Thursday night after you played on Sunday. There's no shame in that, but losing fifty-two to twenty or whatever it was, that's there's shame in that. Yeah, and looking totally disorganized and disinterested and just unmotivated the entire time. As a head coach, that's a poor reflection on you, too. Like, it's not just a poor reflection on the players. It's a poor reflection on you because your job is to get the players prepared for that game, especially after coming off a bye. You had two weeks to prepare for this team. What the hell happened? Like, it's nuts. Yeah, I mean, I know this is controversial, and I know a lot of people would would say there's no way, and even – Luke Keekley himself would say there's no way, but it kind of looks like the players have given up. Like I've seen Luke Keekley not make tackles that Luke Keekley makes in his sleep uh, with his hands tied behind his back. Uh, I've seen, you know, other players, they look like they're in slow motion. They look like they're just trying to get through this season and get it over with. It's almost, I don't want to say that Ron has lost the locker room, but it's starting to look like he has. I said it in our Slack chat. Um, Luke's body language definitely has been different this year than normal. And it's not, I mean, it's all a Thomas Davis too, but I noticed it more with Luke where there've been a lot more plays where like somebody gives up a completion and he throws his hands up or somebody lets a big run go through and he just, he just looks perplexed and frustrated with everybody around him. Not that he hasn't made mistakes as well, but you know, it just like it seems like there's a lot more issues of people not being where they're supposed to be or doing, you know, making errors in judgment and stuff. To where it's not like, oh, you were in the right place, you just missed the tackle, or the guy put a good move on you or something. It's just like, what are you doing? Why didn't you cover the person that you're supposed to cover? Yeah, I, I think the problem is that Ron, his luck and oh, I'm just going to promote that guy to be defensive coordinator has finally run out on him. Yeah. Like, you know, we had Sean McDermott and then we had Steve Wilkes and, you know, you can't just keep doing that. Like you've got to go out and hire someone. You can't just keep promoting people within your coaching staff because that screws up the whole machine. Eric Washington is a great defensive line coach. And when they promoted him to defensive coordinator, we've seen a defensive line that can't get pressure. They can't sack the quarterback. They can't do this. They're missing their assignments. And, it's just he, Washington wasn't ready for the job. And instead of promoting him, we could have went out and hired somebody. And I'm just throwing names out there, but we could have hired Jack Del Rio. We could have hired Jeff Fisher. We could have hired John Fox, even though it would have been awkward. Um, but we could have hired someone with experience at being a defensive coordinator. Like with Norv Turner on offense, we could have done the exact same thing defensively and kept Washington where he was. And I don't think we would be seeing these problems. It's that Peter principle. Well, there's a, there's even a, there's even a difference with uh, Steve Wilkes and Eric Washington. Wilkes was a de- was a decorated secondary coach in San Diego as well. Like he was an assistant head coach at times. Like 
it, it wasn't like he was completely brand new to the job. Like he had had many, many years of of elevating the talent around him because it's not like San Diego ever had like a really great secondary and even like Carolina, they didn't really have a great secondary where Washington worked with a very good defensive unit in Carolina for a long time. So it wasn't like he made them better than they were or anything like that with his coaching. So that's where I saw the drop, where I see the drop off a little bit. Like you could have found another guy like Steve Wilkes somewhere else in the league where they were a very decorated positional coach with like some experience with running the team in general as well. Like there's, there's plenty of them out there over Eric. Yeah, like Washington. Steve, Wilkes was getting, Steve Wilkes was getting head coach buzz when he was our secondary coach. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we made him defensive coordinator. So nobody took him. Yeah. Because yeah. the, yeah. Like the only other options he, he had, head coaching so the only other options he would have had was defensive coordinator so we made him that and that made sense yeah it did and yeah and after after we made him defensive coordinator that we were stuck like we knew we were going to lose him because you can't ron the only thing ron could have done was trade places with him and you know ron's not going to do that but um but yeah like you said he's been decorated for years and we needed that guy again like it's one thing to take a chance on a guy like that if you're the Patriots and it doesn't really matter. But when you're a middle-of-the-road franchise and you've never even had back-to-back winning seasons, you can't do that kind of stuff. Nope. Yeah, it's moving pretty far down like the, the line pretty quickly to where Eric Washington went from at least third in line to the head guy in basically two years. Yep, nepotism at its finest. Um, so why don't we discuss this, uh, Browns game instead of, well, I think we've gotten our, our do we have to, we should, yeah, we can no, real quick, cause don't think it go run too long. Glad, glad yes, to hear the enthusiasm the for our, our, our no. listeners out there who want to hear about the analysis we have for the Cleveland Browns Panthers game. Glad to hear it guys. Well done. No, I'm saying. Yeah. I, you want to, okay, okay. I'll give you my. Okay, here's my analysis <laughs> oh, no, for the Panthers. The, ang- the okay. angry analysis. Here we go. No, here, here it is. It, it's simple. That's mature. That's it. Thank you. Colorful. <laughs> Colorful. I mean, that's gonna be. That's what it's gonna be. Like, it's gonna be just one gigantic wet fart. Like, I, I don't see it being anything different. Yeah, it's not like they've they've convinced us that they can anywhere else but john go ahead give me give me yours sure. <laughs> well the browns often they're the browns are like fine right now like we, they're, we're still we still should be better than them um i'm concerned about cam with if he's having issues with his arm and then his ankle and i don't know what else is ailing him but cleveland is pretty good at Getting after the passer, I think. Ah, eh, no, no, they're not. But they have the potential to, with Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi. Shout out UNC Charlotte. Um, I think the the big issue though is is covering their weapons because they like to throw it short with Freddie Kitchens Kitchens on offense now, and I'm concerned that Jarvis Landry is going to have like 10 catches for 120 yards, and just a ton of yak. Yeah. I worry about Miles Garrett on uh, Frank Clark, Chris Clark, excuse me. Um, Frank Clark. 
Frank Clark yes. plays for Seattle. Um, so I worry yeah. about most offensive ends on Chris Clark. Yeah, Chris Clark is gonna get his shit kicked in by Miles Garrett because he's been getting his shit kicked in for the last four weeks by whoever he's on, and Miles Garrett is a freak. So that's gonna be a problem. Um, I also worry about um, oh, crap. They're uh, they're they're number one corner Denzel Ward. I worry Denzel about him. Yeah. Because I have a feeling they're going to end up putting him on DJ Moore because DJ Moore is the most consistent weapon the Panthers have right now. Funches is like decent in the red zone, but he's been on a bit of a dip as far as his uh, production goes. And the Panthers just refute. The Panthers gave Curtis Samuel a lot of throws last week, and I would hope to see more of that. But I know that Moore right now is the most consistent receiver they have. And he's going to see a hell of a lot of Denzel Ward. So that worries me. Um, on top of that, as you said, Jarvis Landry, who can work out of the slot, which is primarily the probably the biggest issue for the Panthers secondary right now between Captain Munnell and Shaq Thompson, whoever the hell they decide to put in the slot. Jarvis Landry is going to eat him alive. And also, Dante Jackson will probably play, but how how healthy is he going to be coming off his quad injury that took him out the entire game last week. So you couple that with a pretty strong Browns offensive line that'll probably do a decent job against the Panthers pass rush. And on paper, this looks like a, a not so good matchup for the Panthers. Yeah. The Browns are kind of good at what we're bad at, you know, defending like we talked about with the Buccaneers last week. Um, like David Njoku's also, he hasn't been super involved the last couple of weeks, but he's a very athletic, big play, you know, capable tight end, even on short passes and stuff like that. And we're not good at covering tight ends either. And then Callaway is a big play threat. And we've been, like I said, we've been hor- like horrific defending deep passes. So they they have, they have a lot of, they have the tools to exploit what we're, what we're bad at, which is a lot of things right now. But, but yeah. The defense, I will say this, the defense did look a little bit better last week. They did stop the run quite a bit, mm-hmm. which Nick Chubb is going to be a big part of their offense. Um, I would imagine they're going to come out with a better passing game plan now that Ron Rivera... The one thing I didn't, I forgot to mention this earlier, but uh, Eric Reed said this. Um, he heard a play call during the game that they hadn't practiced, and he knew that something was going on with the defensive play calling. So it sounds like Ron Rivera almost took over a little bit earlier than like he wanted to. So maybe, and this is maybe more of an optimistic take for the defense, but maybe now that they have a week of knowing, okay, Ron Rivera is going to be involved and they've game planned a little bit for that and had him had his hands in there more, maybe they'll have a better game plan involved for stuff like that. So that's one thing that I'm kind of hoping to see is like, maybe an improvement on this this defensive performance they had against the Buccaneers because despite everything that happened, I don't believe the Panthers' defense lost that game because they the, Pan- the Panthers' offense gave the ball away too much and just wasn't effective. So, I want to yeah. read more about that, him saying we call it a play that we haven't practiced. That's a little odd. Uh, he didn't say we didn't practice it. He just said it wasn't in the game plan. Yeah, he said it wasn't in the game plan. And see, that's where ha- having an experienced defensive coordinator comes into your benefit because Eric Washington's not experienced enough to know, hey, what we're doing isn't working. Let's change the game plan and do something else. Yeah. And, you know, 
this this right here worked five years ago the last time we played Tampa in Tampa in this situation. So why don't we do that? And or, you know, this this has been known to to rattle Jameis Winston or things like that, that only experience can teach you. And it's not Eric Washington's fault. It's just, you know, he's he's inexperienced. Yeah, that's you know so it's like Ron Rivera just kinda of took over in the middle, like, all right, Eric, let me let me let me handle this. I mean the defense did play better in the second half. I mean it Yeah. It and a, a lot of people it's a it's a split issue, but you know, if Cam Newton didn't have a, the worst game he's had in probably four or five years minimum, um, you know, we probably win that game. Like Cam is pretty much the reason we did not just win. to give yeah. you just to give you the quote that I, well that in the offensive line i mean the offensive line didn't give him much to work with but yeah they, cam I mean, throwing four interceptions like they, that's pretty much all the just offensive to, line does take some of the blame for two of those because he got hit as he threw them i don't know where what the result of them would have been anyway because they looked like they're going to be tough throws even if he didn't get hit but anytime you let your quarterback get hit as he releases you're leaving yourself open for the pass going to the wrong team before we didn't want to derail this too much, but I just found the quote. It was from Max Henson. Eric Reed said it was clear Rivera was calling plays last week when a call came in that wasn't in the game plan. Said the players were a little caught off guard, but it worked as Reed made a tackle for no gain. Hmm. Eric Reed making plays. That's interesting. Yeah, that's my boy. But <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 offensive line definitely has to step up for Cam, especially when he can't throw the ball down the field. Because I think teams are figuring that out. Or I shouldn't say he can't, but they're not doing it as often. Because now teams are like, okay, they're gonna not going to throw the ball further than like 15 yards down the field. So that allows them to eliminate certain kinds of coverage to, I guess, be, account for those deeper throws. So that's, that's a problem because the offensive line will have to do a lot more work when they're trying to run a, like longer developing routes that are more intermediate because... The secondary is not worried about the downfield pass. That's an issue. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sorry, I had to. Sh- I was looking at something from the box score uh, from the Buccaneers and Panthers from the game this past Sunday, and uh, I was looking at this like the the first and second half scoring, and like the the top comment is somebody copying and pasting an article from I don't know what and then the second top comment is somebody copying and pasting like the NFL roster rules and I don't understand. <laughs> I, I know that's really random but I just that was what that <laughs> kind of distracted me from what you were saying. No, that's cool. You're good. Um I think for the most part though we've covered the uh windy Cleveland Browns game. So uh do you want to jump into scoring predictions or we got anything else we want to talk about? I have one of we can do the scoring predictions and then I'll do the last thing I want to talk about because it's just a general thing, nothing to do with the games coming up. Can you repeat that? Sorry. I said uh, <laughs> I said I have one more thing I wanted to talk about, but we'll do it after the score predictions because it's not pertinent to any one particular game. Okay. And you like probably won't show up in the ringer chat, but it like roboted for me for a second. Okay. Cool. Um, uh, Brad, why don't you give us your score prediction? John, what's the over-under and the line? Oh, boy. Do you have that information? I, I, 
I'll pull it up very very quickly. Just just talking and filling in some dead space so there's no silence while I pull it up. I mean, I, spoiler alert, I'm going to pick the Browns to win. I just don't want to pick something outrageous like cuz I I haven't looked at what the the over under is 47. The expected outcome is. The over under is 47 and the Panthers are 2 point favorites. So You robot it, so I have oh no idea God. what you said. Come on, Spectrum. <laughs> I said the over under is 47 and the Panthers are 2 point favorites. What? Wow. I figured the Browns would yeah. be favored cuz they're at home. Nope. So essentially, that means they think the Panthers are five points better because the Browns get three points for being at home. Yes. Um, and it's forty-seven, so that's twenty-seven to twenty. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll say Cleveland twenty-seven, Carolina twenty. <laughs> you just flipped it around. Nice. I'm gonna say Panthers twenty-seven twenty. How about that, Brad? I think the Browns are gonna win thirty-five to twenty-one. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Keep Sounding Podcast. See you later. Talk to you next week. Later. Keeps the football. Takes off to the end zone for the touchdown. He takes the handoff, and he scores. Avoided the Dolphins behind the line of scrimmage and took it in for the first touchdown of the night. Newton keeps, lowers his shoulder, and takes it in for the touchdown. On second and goal, shovel pass for Caffrey. Touchdown. And off dive for Jonathan Stewart, and he's in for a touchdown. That's intercepted by Keeping. He has more of those than any linebacker in the league over the last five years. You know. It is good, and Carolina gets a road win in New England. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.